This is an audio-only version of the video series broadcast on YouTube. If you want to experience Me, Myself, and Die as it was originally intended, search for Me, Myself, and Die on YouTube, Facebook, or Rumble. The playlists for all the seasons of the show can be found there. And now, Me, Myself, and Die. I don't want to reveal that theory to you right now, uh, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to roll, and if I get a yes... Then I'll know what it is and I'll sort of reveal it as we go to make, because th this is the show after all, I gotta make it dramatic. Welcome back once again to Me, Myself, and Die. I am, as always, your intrepid GM host and player, Trevor DeVal. Thanks so much for watching. And as always, if you enjoy the show, please do hit like and subscribe. We are on episode 21 of The Adventures of Simon of Argistan and company. And when last we left, they had made their way down, or were about to make their way down, to the abandoned docks in the southwestern part of the city of Chiton because they had discovered that there was a fellow who worked in the soup kitchens who was a fellow beggar by the name of Thornton, who was a large, hulking, long-haired man who really enjoyed listening to people's stories of misery, how they became beggars in the first place, things like this. Very, very odd. But they did discover that he could be found down in a riverboat whose name was, we will go to our GM's miscellany uh, urban dressing here, the Leaky Barrel. <laughs> the Leaky Barrel is a destroyed riverboat on the docks area. Now, as I said, this area is utterly deserted. There's nobody around. It's completely dilapidated. It's filled with ruined boathouses. Uh, there's the, the remains of old ships and boats kind of like piled up against the moorings. Just after nightfall, our team comes down and are sort of walking along the docks here when they see the remains of the leaky barrel here. Our chaos factor is six, which means we need to know if our scene is interrupted or uh, altered in any way. Eight, so no, it is not. So they make their way to the docks as planned. I said at the very beginning of this, this little mystery thing, that I don't wanna know anything about Thornton until Simon does, but we are now at a point where I must find out something. Now, I do have a theory. I have a theory about what Thornton is, who Thornton is, his his the reasons for, for doing what he, he does, the whole bit. I don't want to reveal that theory to you right now, uh, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to roll, and if I get a yes, then I'll know what it is, and I'll sort of reveal it as we go to make, because th this is the show, after all. I got to make it dramatic. Is my theory about Thornton, is it correct? <laughs> I mean, if I wanted to, I could say, oh, yes, it has to be. It's a sure thing. I'm not going to do that, though. I'm going to say it's very likely. Chaos Factor 6, very likely. Is my theory about Thornton correct? 31, yes, it is. So stay tuned to find out what that is. <laughs> Our gang makes their way along the docks as they do. Stratton has come with them as well. Some of you had actually uh, suggested that Stratton should, should come with the party and I kind of like that idea. It makes sense within the context of the story. So Stratton is going to join them on this particular section of the adventure. We'll see what happens to him after this is all over. If in fact anyone survives. Okay, as they're making their way along the docks, the old dilapidated boards are creaking under the weight of their boots. Uh, the cries of gulls are out in the, uh, in the river, but even those are kind of 
swallowed up by the enveloping mist that creeps along the river and threatens to engulf the docks themselves. They're going by the light of a single torch that Simon carries in his, in his left hand, trying to illuminate the dimness of the docks as they move along. Off to their left, they can see the remains of an old boathouse, uh, possibly an old administrator's office, something like that, but the, the ceiling is, is caved in over the weight of time. Uh, the walls are buckling, the wood is rotting, there is a terrible, terrible smell. As you can see here, they move along with the effluent coming from uh, the, the city's sewers, pours openly into the river. It is uh, quite awful, the place. Uh, as they get closer to the riverboat itself, I'm just gonna uh, make a few random dressing rolls from this uh, dock section of this book, just to give us a little more flavor. The dock shivers as a large vessel badly steered thuds into its side. Well, obviously there are no active ships here, but I think what that tells us is that the leaky barrel, in fact, ran aground up on the side of the docks here. So I think that it's probably more like this, as we see, kind of, it sort of ran aground like that. So it's its rear end is kind of jutting into the, into the river, maybe even like uh, half sunk. So this whole thing sort of slants down into the water like this. And as they move up, are they making any attempt to be silent? I think they are. Actually, what I'm gonna do, I'm just gonna take the lowest stealth roll because when dealing with a group of PCs like this, I find it's easier just to take their lowest stealth roll, and if they succeed, you can assume that everyone else has succeeded too. So that's what I'm gonna do. Who has the lowest stealth? Simon's is D8. So it's actually Edward who has the lowest, but he is a wild card, so we're gonna roll the wild die. How does he do? Six exploded, I think we're gonna be perfectly fine. Six, 12, uh, 16, so that's success with several raises. They are absolutely quiet even considering the creaky boards as they're moving along the docks, but they do manage to make their way up the gangplank, looking for any signs of this Thornton fella. Now, all they have to go on at this point is a description. Large, hulking man, brutish man, with long, flowing hair. There's going to be an entrance to the lower decks here. I'm just gonna do a quick notice roll for the gang. Again, gonna do the same thing. I'm gonna roll the lowest notice. If they succeed, then they succeed. Well, there's an exploder. Four. Four? Well, success with a raise already. Uh, yeah, so success with a raise. Wow, this is going well so far. <laughs> Good. They do, in fact, find the entrance to the lower decks, and I think it's a hatch over here with a, like a rope ladder that kind of goes down. Again, the rope ladder all frayed and in danger of snapping at any time, but they they quietly make their way across the rigging like this, stepping over the remains of like fishing gear and big piles of thick, sturdy rope that again is, is also beginning to rot under the decaying uh, qualities of time. And I think they slowly begin to climb down the ladder, very quietly, all kinds of raises, no need to roll again. There's like a rope ladder that goes down to a, a small set of stairs, basically, like a little switchback kind of thing. What do they find inside? Well, it's gonna be the hold, and I think the hold of this river barge is filled with crates and barrels. I think there's crates and barrels everywhere in various states of decay and disrepair. There's wooden planks everywhere, uh, and again, through it all, you can hear the creak of the wood as the water of the river laps up against the dilapidated sides of the ship outside. All they have to go on is their, their flickering torchlight. So there's shadows playing in every corner on, on every wall. There is, in fact, something in this boat that I've determined with that first roll I made. My question is, 
Does this something? Notice them. Oh, 14 is a success with two raises. I think they notice each other. As Simon and company, their feet creaking on the boards coming down, Simon leveling his crossbow, I think at the far side of the boat, there is a sound. And emerging from beyond the barrels is a man. A large, hulking, long-haired man. He's dressed in rags, his hair is all matted with dirt and, you know, uh, bits of straw, and it's just, it's, it's he, he looks a wreck. Simon can clearly see that he has a large wound, a festering wound, a wound that is not healed around the area of his heart. And as Simon sort of takes a closer look in the gloom of the light, he can see that there's a, a bit of a shaft of wood almost sticking out of it, almost like uh, like a, like someone uh, took a sharp stick and drove it into this guy's chest and it broke off or something like that. Thornton, I presume? And this Thornton, for that is in fact who it is, says, Get away from this place, stranger, before it is too late. Are you Thornton, the beggar who worked at the soup kitchens a year ago? Answer me now. Does he answer? I don't think he does, but I'm gonna give Simon a persuasion test. Four, I'm gonna oppose, I'm gonna make this an oppose check. Oh, four, tie, nothing done. So Thornton does not answer the question, but he also does not totally ignore him. He basically puts his hand up and I think he warns him again. I said, you must leave this place before it is too late. You know not what you tangle with. Thornton is huge. He's not tall huge, because we determined before from the previous uh, session that he was of average height, but he has massive muscles, and you can, you know, our guys can see. Even now, he's just, like, rippling with muscles. I'm giving you one chance, Thornton. Come with us and answer some questions. We're going to put a marker over here to represent Thornton there. He says one more time. Strangers, leave this place now. I will not be able to control it much longer. I think Simon steps into the room, allowing Edward to come down. And as soon as he does that, Thornton shakes his head and sort of bellows in rage as his eyes begin to glow red. His hulking body becomes even more brutish as We can hear the sound of bones creaking and breaking, long, hideous talons emerging from the ends of his fingers. His eyes, as I said, growing red and, and, and a small ridge of horns bursting underneath the long flowing hair, the hair which sort of falls down over his quickly becoming bestial face, almost obscuring it entirely, almost like the girl from the ring. Ooh, creepy. And we're gonna replace this guy with this guy right there as he grows hulking to easily seven feet tall, the back of his head almost almost hitting the, the floorboards of the deck above, and he bellows in rage. Simon's eyes go wide with fear, and we go to initiative. So Simon goes first, he, he redraws cards of five or less because he's quick. Simon is on nine. The allies are on seven, and Thornton is on queen. This hulking demonic monstrosity bats aside the barrels and the crates and comes lurching towards Simon. 
<laughs> its eyes wide with fear. Does Thornton just attack him outright? Or does he do the thing that I know he can do, which will be revealed to you very shortly? Does he attack Simon outright? In this case, he's just transformed. I think it's gonna be unlikely attack Simon outright. 65. Uh, I'm 50, which means he does not attack Simon outright. He he comes right up to Simon like he's about to attack. His glowing red eyes sort of focus and narrow on Simon, and he says to Simon in this hideous, wavering, almost otherworldly voice, And Simon feels his will to live being immediately drained from him as this thing begins to sap his spirit. This is an opposed spirit roll. Thornton is a wild card. His spirit is D10. This is the target number that Simon has to beat. Oh, lucky three. Simon's spirit is a D6. He does, so he does not have his spirit drained from him. His will to live is intact, but he can, ah, <laughs> shakes. And that brings us to him. He cannot fire the crossbow because he is, he's into hand-to-hand -hand range with, with Thornton. He is going to get to hell out of dodge. He is going to do a withdraw action and take the defend, ah, which increases his parry by two. He's gonna withdraw all the way back here behind these crates. Now, this thing has a D12 fighting. It gets a free attack with a seven. Simon's parry is seven, which means he'll be hit. Bang! As Simon is withdrawing back, this thing launches forward with its massive meaty claws. Oh, this is bad. It has natural weapons. It's strength plus D4. Its strength is D12 plus two. So I roll a D12 and a D4, and I add plus two to this. Oh my God. 15 damage against Simon's toughness of six. Six shakes him, 10 wounds him, 14 wounds him for two. He is shaken with two wounds as he makes his way back this way. He has to do a soak roll. He's gonna spend his white Benny here and make a vigor test. Come on, buddy, soak, 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 soak. Ooh, he exploded. Okay, so seven, so it's not a raise, so he soaks one. He is shaken and wounded for one. That was Simon of uh, the Allies. Well, Arn fires a, a, a blast. <laughs> he fires a, his bow. Wild card as well, he's looking for fours. Oh, that is a exploder with a nine. That is a hit with a raise. Arn will roll three D6 uh, against uh, toughness 10. Very, very, very tough. And he will, oh my God, he will do three. <laughs> oh, nothing. The arrow snaps off. Edbert, as this is happening, leaps towards the creature. Oh, you know, he could do something interesting though. He could do a wild attack, which gives him plus two fighting, plus two damage, but he's also minus two parry until his next action. Is he gonna do that? He is bloodthirsty, I think. Yes, I think Edbert's going to do a wild attack. Plus two to hit. He will roll a six against this thing's parry of eight. Edbert is going to spend a Benny to re-roll that. Spend one of the NPC bennies, because that was a terrible roll. What about now? Six is still not enough. Oh, he is unable to with his wild attack, and he is at minus two parry right now. Thornton 
draws his two blades, ah, leaps down the stairs and attacks twice. Did I say Thornton? Anyway, Stratton. Stratton comes in to attack. His fighting is D8. I'm gonna roll one of each. He is not a wild card, so the black is going to be the rapier. Uh, the rapier plus one, the white is gonna be dagger at minus one. Oh boy, <laughs> nothing done. The swords are easily, easily cast aside. We go back to a new round. Simon, who is shaken and wounded, is on seven. Our allies are on King and Thornton is on Jack. Our allies go first, okay. Thank goodness. Uh, Edbert is no longer at a minus to his parry because he's back to a new action, uh, but he's gonna do another wild attack. So he will still be minus two parry. He's really counting on this plus two. Oh my God, he's unable to hit again. Okay, Stratton, the black is the rapier at plus one. Eight will hit with his rapier. Thank goodness, not with the raise, however. D6 and a D4 against toughness 10. Not likely. Three, nothing done. Cannot puncture the hide of this creature. That was Stratton Orange fires. D10 shooting. And he is going to roll a four, which is a hit. Zunk. Six damage does nothing. The arrow glances off that uh, other shaft of wood sticking out of this thing's wound already. That was allies. Now we go to this thing, Thornton. This thing is definitely going to attack. Thornton, this demonic creature that he is, actually has the improved frenzy trait, which means he makes two attacks for every one attack at no penalty. So he rolls two attacks. He's going to put one in on Edbert, who's at minus two to parry because of his wild attack, and one on Thornton. So he attacks at a D- 12, and he is a wild card, so he rolls one wild die with this attack. The black one is on Edbert, the white one is on Stratton. What does he roll? Okay, well, uh, he will miss Edbert, but he will hit Stratton. Pow! He hits Stratton with five, seven. Stratton's toughness is six. Stratton is only shaken by that blow. Woo! Bang! With the frenzied attack not doing anything to Edbert, thank goodness. Simon has to make a spirit roll. I'm not gonna spend one of his bennies to immediately get out of it. I'm gonna try his spirit roll first. Come on, buddy. He is at minus one as well because he is wounded. So everything is minus one. Four is a success, but he can't do anything that round, but he is up, which brings us to new round. Simon is on eight. Allies are on five. Patty is on Oh my god, this is terrible! The black D12 is on Edbert, who is at minus two parry. And the white is on Stratton. Seven will hit Edbert, because Edbert's parry is only five right now. And eight will also hit Stratton, whose parry is eight. Okay, Edbert gets hit for... Oh boy. Come on, roll low. Nine. Eleven on toughness nine is going to shake Edbert. And the damage to Stratton. Oh God, 14 on Stratton. He's already shaken, he's an extra, he doesn't suffer wounds, he is incapacitated, not necessarily dead. But he is, bang, his body goes slammed up against the walls of the ship and collapses into unconsciousness, we hope. Because Edbert is shaken, it moves uh, with its free movement. Up to Arn, we go down to Simon. Here's the thing. Simon has already seen this thing sticking out of the thing's chest, this bit of wood. Does he 
make any inference here that could help him, I'm gonna give him a general smarts roll at D8. General smarts roll. Does he think that that is significant in any way? He does not. So he shoots with his D8 magical crossbow. Here, he's got minus one now because he is wounded as he levels the crossbow. He has not moved, so he's firing the plus two because he has marksman minus one, so he's firing it plus one. Eight. Uh, four is 12, plus one is 13. That is a hit with a raise. So we have three D6 damage for the crossbow plus one because of the plus one damage against toughness 10. Five, eight, nine, ten. <laughs> okay. He manages to shake <laughs> Thornton just by the skin of his teeth, which brings us to our allies. Edbert, get up, buddy. Get up. Your spirit is D4. Do you break shaken? Do you break shaken? You do not break shaken. Arn, what are you gonna do? This guy's right in front of you, staggered against the wall. So he takes a few steps up and fires his bow at D10, hoping to capitalize on Simon's excellently placed shot. So Arn steps back, rolls a 10, Phew. exploder. It's gonna be 18, that's definitely a hit with a raise. Six, seven, eight, exploder six. Ah, 14. 14, 19 versus toughness 10. He's already shaken. 14 is a raise, 18 is a raise. He's already shaken, so he suffers two wounds. However, Thornton has bennies. He has two bennies. He's going to spend one to soak those two wounds. Thornton's going to roll a vigor of D12 and a D6 is a wild card to soak the two wounds. Oh my God, he succeeds. Oh no, he succeeds with a raise. If he soaks all the wounds from an attack, he removes his shaken condition too, even from a previous source. Soaked and back on his feet. Oh, terrible. He's not wounded and he's not shaken, but it cost him a bendy to do that. That was Arn, which brings us to a new round. Oh boy, oh boy. Stratton is down. Edbert is still shaken. Simon is wounded. This thing, Thornton, is fine. Simon goes on eight. Allies on nine. Thornton on the Joker. Oh my God, oh my God. Thornton does everything at plus two. Thornton, he doesn't really have to leap up the stairs. He just moves forward and attacks Arn with a frenzied attack, which means he attacks twice with 2d12s. He's on the Joker at plus two. He also gets his wild die and he, oh my God, oh my God. The wild and the fighting explodes. So 16. Okay, so the first attack hits him with the raise. The second attack is a normal hit. Brutal. Toughness is six. Oh boy. Uh, and he's plus two to everything he does. That's, that's 17 damage. Six shakes him, 10 wounds him. 14 is two wounds. He's taken two wounds from that source and he's shaken. And the second attack, the second attack, oh my God, plus two as well because of the Joker. 15, 10 is a third wound. 14 is a fourth wound. Arn is incapacitated. Make an immediate vigor roll for Arn. Five is a success. We roll on the injury table. The injury goes away when all wounds are healed. What is the injury he suffers? The leg. He gains the lame hindrance until he is healed. But now it comes down to allies. Edbert, get up, man. Get up, roll your spirit. 
Get up, Edbert. Yes, six plus seven is not a raise, but he does break his shake, which brings us to Simon. Simon, oh my God, this is bad news. Stratton is down, Arn is down. Edbert is staggering from the massive blow he's taken. Simon, I'm gonna give him another smarts roll because I'm gonna give him a break here. Six, yes, success. He notices that this thing is sticking out of the, the creature's chest is the only visible wound on it whatsoever. He thinks maybe if I target that, it'll somehow help. So he is going to do that. It is a minus four to hit this. So he is rolling at minus five because of his wound penalty. He reloads, fires. He's got to explode. He's got to explode. <laughs> Six. Okay, 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 okay. Six plus five is 11 minus four <laughs> is seven, which is not a hit with a raise, but it is a hit. The bolt flies through the air and buries itself deep into the exact spot where this thing had taken its only wound from before, from some source before. As the arrow blasts into it, the thing's eyes go wide with fear. Gonna make a damage roll now. Plus one for the crossbow, plus four for the called shot, and there is special things that happen with the called shot too, as I've already decided from that very first roll I made. This is important. Ah, 10, uh, 10 plus five. 15 and four is 19 versus toughness 10. 10 shakes, 14 wounds, 18 wounds twice. Now here's the thing. I had made a note right here. I don't know if you can read my chicken scratch. Special, can only be killed by targeting the heart at minus four. So, he, all he had to do was wound it. He just had to do a wound. He did two wounds as the crossbow bolt from Stonebolt flies through, burying itself into the exact spot where it had been wounded before by, as we flash back to the alley outside of the soup kitchens a year ago where Aletta's father, Aletta the prostitute that Edbert had spoken to, her father had been killed by Thornton, by the serial killer. Aletta's father was the last person to be killed by Thornton because he was able, by some fluke, wound Thornton in exactly the spot where Thornton needed to be wounded in order to basically reduce his power to effectively nothing until he could heal from it, which took him one year, which is the reason why he had not committed any more murders. This exact wound caused by Aletta's father, still festering after all this time, is what Simon has now just put a crossbow bolt through as the creature roars in pain and the body of Thornton transforms once again into a human-sized creature. Simon, <laughs> wounded as he is, stumbles up to him with Thornton's dying, gasping breaths. He looks at Simon and he says, what? <laughs> I think he gives the explanation for what happens. The explanation that I rolled for at the very, very beginning and then told you that I tell you what it is. Well, I'm telling you what it is right now. He looks at Simon and says to him, blood pouring out of his mouth, the light quickly fading from his eyes. All I wanted was, was to be a member of the watch. I had the size for it. I, I wanted to serve the city. I went to 
speak to Haven of Dovedane, Lord Manfred's son, but he spat in my face. He told me that the watch was here to keep the streets clean of filth like me. I, I vowed revenge and I found a way to summon dark powers and I sold myself to those powers. I hunted down Haven of Dovedane and slew him. But the powers were not satisfied. They demanded the life force of my brothers and sisters. They demanded that I take into myself their stories of misery, where the creature would feed on their misery and their life's blood. It made me do terrible things. But you have freed me. You have freed me. And the light fades from his eyes. Edbert gets to his feet. Simon, Arn. And Simon turns and sees Arn slumped, his leg twisted at an unnatural angle, lying there barely, barely conscious. Also, he sees Stratton lying there. We know that Arn is alive. He's at minus three wounds, but he's not going to die. Let's deal with Arn first. So Simon goes up, he pulls out his healer's kit. He does have healing, thank goodness. To remove the incapacitated state, does he do it? He's at minus one because of his own wounds. Six, explode! Nine minus one is eight as he does it with a raise. Oh, thank God. So he manages to to rouse Arn out of unconsciousness. Arn, 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 you know, his eyes open. Ah, oh, my leg. Okie dokie, Simon's attempt to heal Arn. He's gonna spend a Benny. I'm gonna spend a Benny on this to re-roll that. Leaves him with one Benny. Five minus four, he's unable to heal Arn. So Arn is going to be lame until he is healed. Simon hobbles uh, over to Stratton. We make vigor rolls for Stratton, who is an extra. If he fails this roll, he was killed. Oh no. Simon goes up to Stratton, and as he goes to sort of rouse him, Stratton's neck falls at an unnatural angle, clearly broken. Stratton is dead. Arn says, we should at least search this place, Simon. They begin to search the area. Arn is too screwed up to search. He's just lying, clutching his leg in pain. But Edbert and Simon search the boat. Does he find anything? Uh, no, he does not. Does Edbert see anything? Edbert's notices also D4. Does he find anything? Ooh, exploding four. Five. He does. I think that this thing had taken trophies, grisly trophies of its victims. Is that the case? 72, yes. So it did take trophies, and that is what Edbert finds. Here's a question. Did the thing keep any trophies of Haven of Dovedane, Manfred's son? I think it's also very likely it did. 54, yes. Edbert finds this heap of trophies buried among the straw and wreckage of the barrels and such, and I think among the trophies he finds a helmet. Obviously a guardsman's helmet. And as he sort of flips it around, he can see along the crest of the helmet, sure enough, there is an insignia, a coat of arms, if you will. He brings this over to Simon. What, what do you make of this? Simon recognizes the coat of arms immediately. It is the symbol of House Dovedane. Hmm. We should take this with us. Do you think that this will constitute enough evidence to prove that you had nothing to do with the murders? Is there any other evidence in the boat that could help 
clear Simon's name. Oh, this thing. So, so Thornton made a pact with the dark powers. Is there any evidence of that here? Is there any like occult text that he was using to summon this creature or anything like that? Uh, you know what? I think uh, where else would it be? It would, I think they're gonna call this likely. Likely in the answer, 73 on 85 is a yes. So Edbert also finds an occult book. And as he looks in the book, he flips it open and immediately he can tell, experienced soldier that he is, that the words, the strange arcane words, the spidery looking letters, are written in dried blood, and that the vellum that it's written on is in fact human skin. And as Edward takes a quick look inside the book, he can see in a strange spidery script, certain details that seem to very much implicate Thornton as having entered into some demonic pact with some dark powers. Oof, he slams the book shut. Simon, I uh, think I might have found something. So they have the helmet and they have the book. They hobble out of the boat. Simon takes the body of Stratton up with Edward's help, up to the top deck. They wrap him in whatever sort of uh, uh, like bits of sail they can find. Edward takes the body and holds it over the edge of the ship, over the water. Simon, religious guy that he is, says a few words over the body, a prayer to send Stratton's soul on his way. And Edward releases the body. Sinking to the bottom of the bay. They make their way back to the Creeping Pixie and that ends our scene. Find Thornton and deal with him? Yes, taken care of. The Chaos Factor goes up to seven. They get back to the Creeping Pixie. Wounded, bloodied, bruised. Wanted posters are everywhere. They know that it's only a matter of time before somebody recognizes them and reports them to the watch. They have no time to lose. They know that they must go directly to Lord Manfred's manor in the citadel of the city, bearing the evidence they have and hope that they can prove Simon's innocence. They make their way through the streets of Kaita, on their way to the eastern part of the city, in the neighborhood of Six Cliffs, to the fortress they go. Cloaks up, cowls up, but as they get closer to the fortress, cloaked individuals would be somewhat conspicuous. So I think that at that point, Simon would basically throw off the cloak and, you know, Arn and Edbert would do the same and they stride down the street. Do they get recognized by anyone who reports them to the watch before they get to the Six Cliffs neighborhood? Somewhat likely. 34, yes, they do. So as they're walking through the streets, there's a number of people talking behind their hands, pointing at them and sort of pointing at the, uh, the, the wanted posters that are everywhere as well. And sure enough, as they make their way into the Six Cliffs neighborhood, there you can see the, the, the huge manor houses of all of the, the Council of Lords. I, I imagine like there's a large courtyard, a massive, massive courtyard with a giant statue of perhaps the founder of, of the city of Chiton. And as they come around, walking into that square, there's a line of guards waiting for them. And as they walk up, the guard spears go down, all in formation. The leader of the guards, I think, steps forward. Simon of Augustan, you are under arrest. Throw down your weapons and come peacefully. I will come peacefully, good soldier. But on one condition, I demand an audience with Lord Manfred of Doveday. He who has sought my head this past year. I am coming now to prove my innocence of the crimes for which I have been accused. Do the guards allow this? This is gonna come down 
to a persuade roll. Oh, six. And six is 12. 13 is a success with two raises. The guard looks at him, motions to some of his men. As they're about to take their stuff, Simon basically puts his hand on his pack and he says, you may search this if you like, but I will require this for my audience with Lord Dovday. Because he succeeded with two raises, the guard kind of quickly opens the pack, glances through it, doesn't really see anything like weapons. That's what he's been looking for, like daggers or anything like that. So he's no weapons, he sort of nods, motions to the guards, and they are taken off to the guard barracks to await the pleasure of Lord Manfred of Dovedane. Sometime later, Arn, Edbert, and Simon are all sitting in separate cells, but they're joined. They're joined by the bar, so they can all freely communicate with each other. And they sit there and they wait. And I think they wait for some time, till finally, Edbert says, I hope you know what you're doing, Simon. If Lord Manfred doesn't accept your evidence, well, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't put your head on the chapel block right away. You sure about this? <laughs> I've never been sure about anything in my life, Edward. Why start now? I have faith in Simon here. He has demonstrated his honor many times in the past. If he does so now in Lord Manfred's presence, Manfred will have no choice but to accept the truth. I hope you're right, for all our sakes. I think back on everything we have been through, on all of the trials and tribulations we have suffered together. For a very long time, I thought when I lost my only friend in the world, Vilborg, that I would never again make allies as true as Vilborg was, if this is indeed the end of the road for us. If Manfred does not accept the evidence I intend to lay at his feet, proving my innocence, and if he does, in fact, put my head on the chopping block, I can think of no other men that I would rather spend my last moments with. Thank you for everything. Aye, Simon. And thank you. Edbert speaks for me as well, Simon. And so they wait for Lord Manfred to summon them to the trial that could determine once and for all Simon's innocence or guilt. Thank you so much for watching. And as always, don't forget to hit like and subscribe. And we will see you next time on Me, Myself, and Die.